Thank you for choosing the podcast of Four Mile Creek Baptist Church in Moss Point, Mississippi. To discover more about Four Mile Creek or what it means to follow Jesus, you can visit us online at www.fourmilecreek.org. Here is this week's message. have your Bibles this morning, I want you to just go ahead and open them to the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to be a few places today in Acts. And as we've been shifting focus from a church on mission to a church in order, uh, today we're talking about church membership, uh, which you have been sitting on the edge of your seats all week waiting for a sermon on church membership. But I recognize that we live in a society that values membership. So by a show of hands, let's take a little survey. Are you ready? We're going to go back in uh, the memory banks for a little bit. We have some students in here so they can uh, certainly participate in this. Uh, Whether you were in school now or were at some point in your life in school, by a show of hands, how many of you were a member of an extracurricular activity like uh, BETA, National Honor Society, 4-H, or FFA, or another extracurricular activity, right? You had to fill out a membership card. You had to pay some dues. Remember, if you were in FFA, you had that uh, uh, corduroy jacket that was really hot in the summer, and you had the official dress, and and you're in black slacks if you're a man or a black dress if you're a lady, and you've got the white shirt and the uh, whatever color blue it is, and it's a corn gold for FFA. For 4-H, it's Kelly green is the color of the clover, if you didn't know. Uh, let's go to uh, more modern, or more, well, not more modern, because those things are still around, but let's go to more uh, current things. How many of you, by a show of hands, are a member of a gym somewhere? Gym, yeah, okay. How many of you go regularly? Okay, we're trying to get better at it, but, but you're a member of a gym. How many of you are a member of Amazon Prime? Man, you love that two-day shipping, don't you? Uh, how many of you are a member of uh, Apple Music or Spotify or Hulu or Disney Plus or some other streaming service? Right, okay. How many of you are a member of Sam's Club, Costco, maybe Walmart Plus? You know, that's a thing now, Walmart Plus. I have never had the desire to be in a club where Walmart's involved, but but you're a member of that. Uh, how many of you are a member of a hotel chain? You know, you may, maybe you're a, uh, for me and, and Kayla, we are a Bonvoy member with Marriott. Anybody a member of a hotel chain? Okay, very few, but, but there are some. Okay, welcome to the club. We value membership, don't we? You pay your dues. You tote that card. Try to get into, I don't know about Costco, but try to get into Sam's Club without showing them your membership card. You can't get in a Costco either with it. They ain't going to let you in. We value membership. But so often what happens is that in the context of, of the church world, we begin to scoff at the idea of church membership. The 2022 State of Theology report found out of their survey that 51% of evangelicals and 62% of church, churchgoers believe Christians have a responsibility to join a local church. 51% of evangelicals believe that. of regular churchgoers believe that. That means we have a pretty big portion of people who don't believe that Christians have a responsibility to be a member of a local Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. Oftentimes we hear things like this, well, I can love Jesus and not be a member of a church. 
Well, you know, you're right. You can love Jesus without being a member of a church, and uh, God will not love you any less if you're not a member of a church. But can I tell you something? You will never grow in your love for the Lord Jesus if you are not actively plugged into the life of a local church. You will not grow in your love for the Lord Jesus. You won't do it. Some people say, well, I'm against organized religion. I have no idea what that means, and it ain't for a lack of trying. I have tried to have people explain that to me, and I leave more confused than I was when we started the conversation. I'm against organized religion. Well, you're not against organized anything. You want to be a member of a gym? There's an organization there. You want to be a member of Sam's Club? There's an organization there. You want to be a member of a civic organization? There's an organization there. There are requirements that must be met. There are expectations that must be fulfilled. I think they're just empty excuses is what they are. And so as we begin to shift focus in these next few weeks and we begin to talk about what it means to be a church rightly ordered under the authority of God as revealed in Scripture, we're going to be looking at things. Last week we looked at deacons. This week we're going to look at church membership. And I'm just going to let you know, and listen, I am one of the few people that I know of in ministry that will not beg somebody to stay a part of a church if they say God's calling them somewhere else. I will pray for you and I will help do whatever I can to get you plugged into another church. I have looked at countless people in my ministry and said, I don't know why you are attending church here when you should be attending church at this place. I think of one young man, he was a high school student, wanted to attend church at the church I was serving as student pastor because we had a thriving youth ministry at the time. But the problem was his mother was a youth ministry leader at their local church. His daddy was a deacon. Why is he at the church I was at in the youth ministry I'm leading? And finally, thank the Lord, his mom and dad had enough of it and said, son, you're under our roof, you're coming to church with us. He wanted to be plugged in, but it's not where he needed to be and where he should have been. It's not where God wanted him to be. So listen, as we consider these things, I want you to uh, prayerfully consider uh, your position and your relation to this local body. If, you're, uh, if you've been coming here uh, regularly and consistently and faithfully, but you're not a member, it's time you consider what the Lord would have you to do. Either join in with this number or go find another number to join in with. If you're sitting in this pew, and listen, I've been here for uh, four and a half months now, you might say, I'm not okay with who we called as pastor, and I just don't know if I want to stay here. Okay. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not upset about it, and nobody in this church is going to be upset about it. We want you to go where the Lord would have you to go. And if it's not here, guess what? It's not here. So prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you to do in terms of church membership. I may say things you disagree with. Search Scripture, see what you come up with. We can have a conversation. There are different understandings of church membership. I'm going to tell you in this sermon, uh, number one, the biblical case for church membership, much like the Trinity, there is no verse in Scripture that explicitly commands church membership. But I do believe it is implicitly commanded and clearly seen. Just as there's no verse that says the Trinity is a reality, we know because it is clearly revealed in Scripture when you read it honestly that the Trinity is a reality. Am I making sense? Amen? Okay. Now that being said, let's just talk about the Bible and church membership. 
shall we? Let's just talk about that. Let's start there. If you have your Bibles in Acts 2, and I'm going to take you through a few different things today, okay? Beginning in Acts 2.41, and just underline these uh, verses in your Bible or make a note if you're taking notes. In Acts 2.41, the Bible tells us uh, this. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. About 3,000 people were added to them. Look at verse 47 of chapter 2. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people every day, the Bible says, the Lord added to their, to their number those who were being saved. Look, if you will, uh, look, at, look, if you will, in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread and the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. The disciples in Jerusalem, the Bible says, increased greatly in number, and large groups of priests became obedient to the faith. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 31. See, you didn't know you were going to have to be flipping through the Bible today. Listen to what the Bible says. And so the church throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in number. Turn over two more chapters to chapter 11, verses 21 and 24. What does the Bible tell us? Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Listen to verse 24 at the tail end of it, second half of it. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Somebody had the wherewithal to say to themselves, we need to know who's coming to faith and who we're responsible for. Somebody had the wherewithal to say, we need to know who's in our numbers. In Acts 6, 1 through 7, when we talked about deacons last week, and they appointed those seven men who were of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, to oversee the distribution of daily needs. Let me tell you, they could only distribute the resources to those who were in their number. Do you see what, do you see what the Bible is saying? Membership is assumed. And a great number of people were turning to the Lord. The Lord was adding to their number day by day. The Lord was increasing the number of believers. We have to know who's responsible. The Bible assumes that you're going to be plugged in somewhere. A Christian without a church home is a contradiction in terms. There are there some people who live so far away, even in 2023, from an established church that maybe they can't go uh, every Sunday? Absolutely. But they still make a point to go. The church throughout the world looks differently. Uh, where the church is persecuted, they're not gathering in a building like this. They're gathering somebody's home in the dead of night. In communist Russia, uh, during the days of the USSR, it was illegal to speak of the things of God. And yet, and I encourage you to read, it's called The Insanity of Obedience by Nick Ripkin. He recounts uh, one story of one man who lived under communist Russia in which he and his wife remember the times before the Bolshevik Revolution and the institution of communism in Russia, and they had a Christian understanding. They did not want their kids to grow up without it. And so living under communist uh, rule, they said, we're still going to teach our kids about it. And next thing 
they knew neighbors had overheard he, him telling his kids stories of the Bible, and they remembered from all those years ago, and they said, we want to hear these things told. They had a house church that was born. By the way, that guy was thrown into prison, and the story of how God worked in the midst of that is truly amazing. But here's the reality. The church is going to look different, but the church knows who they're responsible for. It's assumed that you're going to be involved. The Bible assumes it. You have to know those who are in your number. Why else does the Bible assume church membership? Well, you have to call out the called. You have to call out the call. Remember in Acts 6, 3, it says, Select from among yourselves seven men who are of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. In most cases, and by the way, every church operates like this. We call lay leaders and deacons, and in some churches we even call staff members from among our number. And when a church calls a pastor from outside of the number, it is expected, or it should be, it is expected that that pastor and his family join in membership at that church. That was one of the first things Kayla and I did here uh, when we got here in January. We joined this church as members. It's expected. That's how we find leaders. That's how we equip leaders. That's how we train leaders. Remember, my job, the job of our ministry staff, is to equip the saints for the work of ministries. Let me tell you, we're here to equip you for ministry. When we have a leadership need, you're it. The only thing we have to ask the Lord is to show us which one of you is it. Not, Lord, do we have a leader in the number, but rather, Lord, who is the leader among the number? We have to know those who are on our number. We have to know those who are in our number. We're able to call out the cold from our number. The Bible also assumes it. I've already alluded to this. In every epistle that you read, it's always to a group of believers at a particular location. When Paul wrote to the church in Rome, Romans 1-7, he says to the saints who are called of God in Rome. When he wrote the Corinthian letters, he says to the saints, those who are loved of God at Corinth, to Ephesus, to those who are in Ephesus, to those at Colossae, those who are at Colossae. The Bible assumes that the biblical authors under inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, and by the way, because God the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote Scripture through those human authors, we can always, always, always trust Scripture. Amen. If God the Holy Spirit understood that church membership was a reality, are you smarter than He is? Church membership's a reality. And a lot of people scoff at this. Listen, I sit across from believers who scoff at the idea of church leadership on a regular basis, or regular enough, I should say. If I say regular basis, it seems like it's every week, but it's regular enough that every time we talk about church membership, I sigh internally and roll my eyes, not physically, but you know what I mean. They scoff at the idea. But yet Scripture shows us that church membership is a reality. Do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together. You have to assemble, that's Hebrews 10.25 by the way, you're having to assemble with some group of local believers. When, when y'all affirmed me as pastor in October of last year, I wrote a letter in response to that vote, and I did not write to the church at Escataba Baptist or to the church at Hurley, or to the church at Temple, or to the church at, uh, well, any other church. I had a list of them. 
as I was trying to make a point, I forgot the rest of them. We're to First Pascagoula. No, I wrote to the Faith family at Four Mile Creek. I wrote for you guys. I did not write for them. The Bible assumes it. We practice it. We understand it to be so. I'm sorry that sometimes membership gets a little messy, but it doesn't mean that it's any less valid. Jesus also assumed church membership. Jesus assumed church membership. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 18. See, y'all didn't know y'all were going to have to turn today, and I know it's a little different because normally I just read it for you, but I want you to see these things. In Matthew 18, beginning in verse 15, the Lord Jesus says this. He says, if a brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, tell the church. Oh, look at that. Tell the church. Coincidentally, do you know that our governing documents at this church actually detail how we are to administer church discipline? If you get into some sin that you refuse to repent of, and we've went through the Matthew 18 principle, and it gets to the church, our governing documents say we have a special call business meeting about you. And we call you before the church to answer for what you've been accused of. And if you still won't repent and submit to discipline, we get rid of you. We excommunicate you. We, we, we remove you from our number. That's what Jesus says. If he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a Gentile or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. And again, truly, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done. But my Father in heaven, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am among them. Jesus assumes the church. That the church is reality. He assumes that you're going to be a member of a church. What good is it going to do for us to bring somebody who is an unrepentant sin before the church if church membership isn't a reality and we have to say, you have no place among us? What good is it going to do us if church membership is never a thing? Well, I'm not a member anyway, so, so really what have I lost? But if you're a member and we say, hey, we have nothing to do with you anymore, Oh, it changes the ballgame. Paul understood this to be the case. Remember in Corinth, there's a fellow that shacked up with his stepmother? And you think your family's dysfunctional. <laughs> and Paul says, that was pretty good. Paul says, I didn't intend to say that, that's pretty funny, but it's true. Paul says, Paul says to the church in Corinth, if he's not going to repent, get rid of him. Don't even let this be found among you. Church membership is assumed. Jesus assumes it. The Holy Spirit assumes it. The biblical authors assumed it. It's there. But here's the thing about membership. When you join in with a church, you have made a statement about what you believe. Amen. When we join in as a church in a cooperative effort to reach our community, I am very particular about the churches we're partnering with. Because their statement of faith becomes a reflection of what we believe. When you join a church, you're making a statement. You're making a definitive statement. This is what I believe. First Baptist Church, Jacksonville, Florida, made the news recently. Because they required their church members to sign a document saying that they understood what a man and a woman is and what marriage is. 
Boy, you talk about lighting a fire and putting a burr in a saddle. They did it. But for those, but for those who are in that number, they're making a statement. This is what we believe. Amen. Period. The Bible assumes it. The Holy Spirit assumes it. Jesus assumes it. It is a reality. And I believe that if you're going to read the Bible with any amount of intellectual honesty, you've got to allow for the reality and you must therefore embrace the reality that the Bible is clear on church membership. Are we on the same page? Amen. The Bible is clear on church membership, therefore we practice church membership. But you know what? That's not all it is. You have the Bible who commands it, but I also want you to know there's benefit for you. When God says, I was listening to Adrian Rogers yesterday, when God says thou shall not, he's not telling you that because he doesn't want you to have fun. He's telling you that because he wants to protect you. And when God says thou shall, he's telling you, I want to bless you. I want you to enjoy it. When God gives a command, it's always for our benefit and to his glory. So what's the benefit for you? How does church membership affect you? Think that's a fair question? Amen. Right? I tell you, y'all just are not with it. Y'all weren't with it last week with deacons. You weren't with it this week, but you know what? I love you anyway, and this is applicable. It's in the Bible. We're going to deal with it, and God's going to bless you through it. I'm confident of that. You in church membership, when you're a member of this body, you are loved and you are cared for by the body. You are loved and you are cared for by the body. First Peter tells us that we are strangers in this world. Listen, we need one another. Uh, when, you're, when you're a part of a local church, when you weep, I weep. When you celebrate, I celebrate. When you're going through it, I'm going through it. We're there to encourage one another, to support one another. You are loved for and cared for by the local church. Some of you have moved from where you grew up. Some of you have come from hundreds of miles away. This is your family. Listen, we're still in driving distance of our people. Granted, it's kind of a chore to get there, but we're still in driving distance. I've got buddies who are in ministry, and uh, they and their wives, they've moved hours away, states away. Their church has become their family. When they are expecting a child, their family's not able to throw them a baby shower back home. I have one buddy who's in fact Chandler. I think of him. They're in Pennsylvania. They've had two children. If they happen to be down while they're pregnant, maybe there's a baby shower, but primarily, you know, who's throwing them the baby shower? Their church. You're loved for and you're cared for because you're a part of that number. That number knows who you are and you know the number. Am I making sense? Amen. Because you're a part of that fellowship. Your victories become the fellowship's victories. Your defeats become the fellowship's defeats. Your weeping becomes the fellowship's weeping. By the way, True biblical church membership played out means that it gets messy. It gets messy. Because sometimes you just have some stuff in your life that just isn't fun to deal with now, do you? And you go to your brothers and sisters and you say, I need you to walk with me. I need you to walk with me through this. 
We say, Lord, are you present with me? Sometimes the Lord might be present with you through the believers he has placed around you. We need one another. If you chop my foot off, I'm not going to get around very well. And then what good is my foot? If I poke an eye out, I can still see, but I can't see as well as I could have. Paul likens the church body to this in the Corinthian letters. We're all members of one body. We all have a part to play. Don't undervalue. Don't diminish the role you play in this body and in this fellowship. And do not discount what God may want to do in you and through you as a member of this church. Don't do it. Don't do it. God wants to work through you. He wants you to be in a body of believers in which you are loved and cared for. But here's the other reality. In a local congregation, your soul is cared for by your pastor and by other leaders in the church. Listen, I, I, listen. I listen to a bunch of old dudes preach quite a, quite a bit. Okay? And if they keep dying, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I need those old dudes to be preaching. But when I'm sick, John Piper is not going to come to my hospital room. When I go to die, Adrian Rogers, well, he certainly can't be there. But even if he was, even if he was alive, he's not going to be there to hold my hand as I die. He's not going to be there to officiate my funeral. Some of you listen to David Jeremiah. This sounds harsh, but those guys don't even know you exist. You need the context of the local church for your soul to be cared for. Now, are these radio ministries and TV ministries helpful and, 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 and beneficial? Absolutely. Listen, we put these sermons on podcast. They're listened to all over North America. We have people listen to these things in the Bronx, in New York. I don't know who's listening to them in the Bronx, but you know what? God bless them. I think we've got some in Canada. We've got basically the entire eastern portion of the United States. They're listening to it, but you know what? I'm not going to be there when they're sick. I'm not going to be there when they're weeping over the loss of a child. I'm not going to be there when they're weeping over the loss of a loved one. But the local pastor will be. I'll be there for you. Church leadership will be there for you. Your brothers and sisters in the faith who are in this number will be there for you. But can I just tell you, if you're just showing up once in a blue moon and you've never joined in this number and we only know you by face, can I just tell you, you aren't going to be cared for very well here? When I was at Towertown Baptist Church, people would get upset. Nobody on ministry staff would come and visit them while they were in the hospital. Well, that was news to us they were in the hospital to begin with. Well, my Sunday school class knew. Did you ever tell your Sunday school class to tell us? Well, no. Well, then you can't be upset. Likewise, if we don't know who you are because you've never committed to a relationship and to a covenant fellowship with a local church, we can't care for you like we should be able to and want to care for you. Now, people 35 and under, periodically, uh, when we were uh, all dating, you would have a thing called a DTR. Anybody know what a DTR is in the context of a dating relationship? It's called a define the relationship. 
Well, you know, we've been talking for three months now. It's time to DTR. We got to define the relationship. Are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Do we th see this thing go into marriage? Maybe you've been dating for a while. It's like, are we ever going to get married? It's time for a DTR. Let me tell you something. Some people will faithfully attend a local church and never join in fellowship. It's time for you to define the relationship. What are you going to do? What is God going to have you to do in terms of church membership? Either you're going to join in this congregation or you need to pray that God would highlight to you the congregation you need to be tied in with. There is a practical benefit for you being plugged into the life of local church. The reality is because the Bible commands it, you need to do it. But what I love about God when he commands things is he never just tells us, do this because I said so. Anybody ever told uh, their kid or niece or nephew or grandchild, do this because I said so? God doesn't do that. God says, do this, and here's why. The answer might be, because I'm holy, and this is the holy thing to do. It might be because this is for your benefit. And God says, listen, when you join in the context of a local church, there's benefit for you. Your soul is cared for, you're loved for, and cared for by the body. But here's the other reality. God has gifted you to serve that local church in such a way that only you can. In 1 Peter 4.10, we're told that we should use our gifts as good stewards of the varied grace of God. You've been gifted. Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians that we have spiritual gifts, that each one of us has different gifts. as in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1, 4, 6, 7, and 11. Or you can read the whole thing and he lays out the different gifts. But I'm just going to read to you those few verses. Now concerning spiritual gifts, there are different gifts, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. Your spiritual gift may be different than mine and mine from yours, but we got them from the same individual, God the Holy Spirit. But the same God produces each and each person. Verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good of the body. And the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. Adrian Rogers said that your gift, your spiritual gift, is not for your enjoyment. It is for your employment in the body of Christ. And if you refuse to exercise your spiritual gift, can I tell you that you're going to have to answer for that? If you love Jesus, you will love his church. And if you love his church, you will serve his church. You have a spiritual gift. You've been gifted to serve in a way that only you can. You have a skill set to serve in a way that only you can. You may have specialized knowledge. I've been thinking about this this week. I think of some people who are in the medical profession. They're able to help meet basic medical needs of those who are in their church. Sometimes they can do it at no cost. Sometimes they can do it at a greatly reduced cost. They're able to do that. They're able to serve those who are in their number. You may have a trade skill. I think of uh, all the things we've got going around this place. You know what I love? And, and for instance, you feel this cold air right now. We don't have to call an air conditioner company to do this, to, to, to service these units. Because we have certified HVAC people and refrigeration people who can come and service these things professionally and accurately. Let me tell you something. You do not want me servicing your air conditioner unit. You need me to build something for you. You need me to do some basic electrical. I can do that. 
but you don't want me servicing an HVAC unit. But we have people who can, and they have these specialized skills, and they're able to uh, employ those things for the good of the body. You may have specialized knowledge. Think of those who are lawyers or insurance people. Listen, I've, I've had many a conversation since, since being here of just giving out insurance advice to people who were trying to sort through things because, you know what? God allowed me to get the knowledge. Why not use it for the betterment of his people? And I get nothing out of that. But God allowed me to get the knowledge. Therefore, I want to bless his people. What knowledge, what skills, what abilities, what spiritual gifts do you have that you can employ for the common good of the body? Some of you are content just being a bench warmer instead of getting in the game. Last week, I I mentioned the reality that after the Saints won the Super Bowl, we all went around, we won the Super Bowl. No, they won the Super Bowl. I watched. Franklin High School Demons won the state championship in 2010. They won it. I watched. But if you're in the field, if you're running the plays, if you're getting down that field, and you win, we won. The team did. You're on a team. You're in a faith family. You have a role to play, a function to serve. What are you doing with it? And the reality is, if you're not a member of a local church, you've pretty much paralyzed your usefulness for service because we can only use you to such a degree. When I go and I preach at another church, I can't stand down at the front of that altar and receive people who want to come forward and make a decision to join the church or anything else. I can pray with them, but I have no authority. I can't say, well, so-and-so wants to join the church. Let's get it taken care of. So-and-so wants to be baptized. I can't make that judgment call. I can't sign off on that. Their church leaders have to. I'm just there to preach and stand down here because they need somebody to stand down here to pray with people who come forward. But other than that, I can't do anything in that moment. I have to pass them off to somebody else. In the same way, when you don't join in fellowship, you stunt your usefulness for the kingdom as manifest in that local church. You have a role to play. It's time to play it. And if you've been a member here and you've not played your role, why haven't you? You're in disobedience. Repent of it and start serving. We don't need spectators. We need people on the field. Do you think that And just, if you don't know, you're about to know. There's a shortage of people who are responding to the call of ministry. Do you think that's new? I don't think it's new. It may seem more pronounced because we're so much more interconnected with one another. But I don't think it's new because Jesus says in Matthew's gospel... The harvest is abundant and the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into his harvest. Some of you know that God's calling you to a particular area of service. It might be to gospel ministry. It might be to deacon ministry. It might be to some other type of ministry. It might be to be a missionary. I've got a buddy and his wife. They're praying through whether or not God's calling them to be a missionary. And they really think think that he is. 
you, you know what God's called you to, but you're more comfortable sitting on a pew than you are serving. Because that's going to take you out of your comfort zone. God never got, and I tell you, this is a hard, this is a hard reality. God is more concerned about your holiness and your obedience than he is your comfort. He is more concerned about your holiness and your obedience than he is your comfort. In the context of a local church, you're able to be stretched and challenged and you're able to grow. But you know what? There's a flip side of this coin. Not only do you benefit that membership that you're in, not only are you a blessing to them. I've been reading in Zechariah, God says, hey, I'm going to save them and they're going to be a blessing to other people. Not only has God saved you, and, and, and led you to join a local congregation so that you could bless them, but also so that they could bless you. The blessing is a two-way street. And there may be seasons in which you say, you know, I just don't think I'm being served very well. Well, you keep serving anyway. You let God the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. You need to consider the church and your membership. What do we do together here at Four Mile Creek? Well, we follow Jesus together. Right? That's a big news flash. Church that follows Jesus. Well, we follow Jesus together. Following Jesus is both a private and a corporate act. Listen, what goes on in your home is very much of my concern. And it is very much of the concern of other people in this church. Because we're part of the same body. I have a responsibility to you to care about you. You have a responsibility to me and my family to care about us. You have a responsibility to one another to care for one another. And when that home is hurting, you have a responsibility in as much as you can to serve that family. There may be things that pop up that you just can't meet, you can't be the answer to, but you can sit there. You can sit there. And you can say, I love you. It's called the ministry of presence. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we're interconnected, because we're responsible for one another, we have a responsibility to one another, to care for one another, to encourage one another, to consider ways to provoke one another on in our journey with Jesus. We follow Jesus together. We grow together. A church that's following Jesus but not growing together is not a united church. Jesus desires that his church be a united church force for the kingdom the reality is you bring a unique dynamic to ministries here i bring a unique dynamic you bring a unique dynamic and you know what happens when you put all these dynamics together you are stretched and you are challenged and you grow through it you ever met people who just they, they, they challenge you. But in their challenging, you become a better person. They look at you and, and they say, this shouldn't be in your life. You need to consider what you're doing and how you're doing. You need to consider what you're saying and how you're saying. And in that, they make you a better follower of Jesus. They make you a better man or a better woman. Hebrews 10.24 says, consider one another in order to provoke, to provoke love and good works. 
those brothers and sisters in your life, are you considering ways that you can encourage them, challenge them, make them more like Jesus? Listen, I want to leave people and I want to leave this world more like Jesus today than I found it. How are you doing that? How are you doing that? We follow Jesus together. We grow together. We, we have to do this together. We can't do it separate. Listen, we, we are just about big enough that it's impossible to know everybody in this number. It's not impossible, but it's going to really take you some, some, some work to do that. You can't know everybody, but everybody ought to know somebody in this number. Which means you need to be involved in more than just Sunday morning worship service. You need to be, be involved in a Sunday school class or a Wednesday night, uh, whether that is uh, the Wednesday night men's Bible study, whatever the case is. You need to be involved with a group of people who are following Jesus and who are growing together. We don't do this separately. Now, what is the requirements at this church to be a member? That's a fair question, don't you think? I mean, I'm preaching on church membership. You might be thinking, boy, I need to be a member here, but what do I have to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let me tell you, I want to tell you requirements and expectations. Are you with me? Let me tell you something. I would never come to your job and sleep while you work, but some of you have been doing that today, and I'm sorry about that, but I love you anyway, okay? So here you go. What's required for membership here at Four Mile? Salvation. You got to be born again. You have to be born again. Go read John 3. You, you don't inherit the kingdom unless you've been born again. You aren't going to join in with this number unless you've been born again. You have to be born again. You have to have confessed Jesus as Lord. It goes a step further. You need to have participated in believer's baptism. You need to have been dunked in the water. Not sprinkled. Dunked. All right, the Greek word for baptism is baptizo. It's the same word used in... Uh, uh, other uh, 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 literature from the first century. Specifically, it was used in relation to Roman soldiers baptizing their dishes after they've used them. Do you want a dish that's been sprinkled clean or dunked clean? You tell me. Amen. Baptism by immersion. After you've surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. You need to be saved. You need to be baptized. You need to agree with the essentials. Read 1 Corinthians uh, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. The essentials, I would tell you this, the historic Christian commitment. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's virgin born. He lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death. The Trinity is a reality. Things like that. Salvation is by grace through faith. You need to agree on the essentials. By the way, there are more essentials than that, but we don't have all day to go through this. You need to agree on the essentials. And then specifically, to be a member of this congregation, you need to agree on the Baptist distinctives. Not only are we Christian and hold to historic Christian conviction, we are also explicitly Southern Baptist. Baptist Faith and Message, the 2000 edition. In the fall, we're going to go through that. We're going to walk through what we believe is Baptist. We're going to go through all 18 or 21 articles. I can never remember how many it is. But you know what? We're all going to know how many it is. Uh, like the back of our hands come the fall. But you need to agree on the Baptist distinctives. And listen, the reality is uh, there are different understandings of those articles. And you know what? The Baptist faith and message is a tent large enough for both sides of the aisle. You need to 
affirm the Baptist distinctives. But what is expected? So you say, okay, well, I've been saved. I've been baptized. I agree with the historic Christian conviction. I affirm the Baptist distinctives. I, I, I meet all those things. But if I join in membership here, Brother Craig, what is expected of me? Well, boy, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what's expected. Number one, you need to live a life that is devoted to, for, and through Jesus. You need to live a life that is devoted to, for, and through Jesus. If you will, in your Bibles, go to 1 Peter. And I want you to see this. 1 Peter 1, 13 to 15. That's what the Bible tells us. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Live a life faithfully devoted to, for, and through Jesus. What does that mean? Everywhere you go is an opportunity to be an ambassador for Jesus. How are you living a life devoted to Him? How is your life being lived for Him? Your bodies are not your own. But in both death and life, they belong to the Lord. How are you living your life for Jesus? But you know what? You don't live your life in your own strength. You live your life for the Lord Jesus in the strength He provides with the indwelling power of God the Holy Spirit. That's why the deacons are said to need to be men who are full of the Spirit. They must be saved and they must be operating in the power that God the Holy Spirit provides. How are you living a life to, for, and through Jesus? You need to live a life faithful and devoted to Him, for Him, and through Him. You need to support this church both publicly and privately. Do not badmouth this church. If you're a member of this church and you're badmouthing me as the pastor, our ministry staff, or leadership teams, you need to repent. Amen. Period. And you know what? In the interest of transparency... It almost always gets back to my desk. And for those of you who have, I know. And the reason I've not addressed it is because I recognize that we are leading you to a place that you may have never been before. And you're really uncomfortable and disturbed by that. Because God is moving you out of your comfort zone into something better and greater. And so I'm choosing to let it go, but I'm here to tell you, if you've been bad-mouthing this church, either publicly or privately, stop it, confess it to the Lord as sin, and repent of it. Amen. You don't need to come tell me. If it helps, I forgive you. You never need to come tell me, but you do need to stop it. Amen. You support this church. You cannot, we cannot be a unified church if we're always looking for a bat to put a knife into Period. Stop bad-mouthing this church if you've been doing that. So you need to speak positive things. You need to talk about what God's doing through this church. Can I just tell you something? God's doing things in and through this church, and you need to be talking about that. You want to support the church? Talk about what the Lord's doing through His bride here at Fort Mile Creek Baptist Church. But stop bad-mouthing. You support the church publicly and privately. You need to financially support the ongoing work of God through this church. Malachi 3.10, God says, don't withhold the tithe. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse. Test me in this way, and I'll pour out blessing. 
You need to support the ongoing work of God through this church. Faithfully, regularly, and consistently. When we put an all call, which we don't always do now, but when we put an all call out and we say we have a genuine need here, we need you to step up to the batter's box, we need you to answer that call as God the Holy Spirit enables and empowers you and gives you the ability to answer that call. But you need to faithfully support, which means going back a few weeks, when you tithe here, you're not tying a string to it. A tithe that you've tied a string to ceases to be a tithe that becomes an offering and it ties our hands and what we can do with it. You give us $10,000 and the only thing we can use it for because that's what you told us we can use it for is a chandelier. I'm going to call that the Jesus chandelier because we could have used that money to advance the gospel mission. Let me tell you something. People are not going to get saved because they walk into a sanctuary and say, well, Lord, they have a chandelier there. I guess I'm just going to give my life to Jesus today because they have a chandelier. They're not going to do that. So when you tithe, give it freely. Don't tie a string to it. If you have extra above your 10%, you want to designate that for something, go for it. If it is a legitimate need that we have and it's something that we can actually do, we'll take it and we'll put it to use. But you're to faithfully, financially support this church and the work God is doing. Okay? You're not tithing to me. You're not tithing to our ministry staff. You're not tithing to our leadership teams. You're tithing to God as he continues his work through this body. You give. You give faithfully. That's expected. In the interest of transparency, you know what I tell Miss Charlotte? I just want to know about anomalies. If somebody's been giving and they have significantly decreased their amount or the frequency. I want to know about that. Because that means we've got a problem somewhere. I don't need to know amounts. I just need to know if there's an anomaly somewhere. You're to faithfully support. Because God owns your money. It's not your money. Just because the checkbook has your name on it doesn't mean it's your checkbook. It's God's. You're to support the pastor, ministry staff, and leadership teams both privately and publicly, in word and in deed. How are you supporting us? By the way, that goes more than just about how you speak of things here. It goes about how you are supporting uh, financially for those of us who take a salary. How are you seeking to encourage uh, 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 the pastor and the ministry staff? Can I just tell you that ministry can be discouraging. Ministry can be difficult. There are seasons in which you feel like you're going at it alone. You have an opportunity to encourage those who are serving in some type of ministry leadership position. Regardless of what that looks like, scrubbing the toilet needs to be done just like preaching the Word needs to be done. We are to steward the resources God has given us well. That's why it needs to be done. It becomes a gospel issue because how we care for this facility, boy, here's something you didn't think about, how we care for the facilities God has given us becomes a gospel issue because it reflects our heart. The facility isn't ours. It's God's. Petey Harrell loaned me his tile saw a few months back. You want to see somebody go OCD about a tool? Watch me when I borrow somebody's. That ain't my tool. I want to take care of it. I want to make sure it's washed well. I don't think I got it perfectly, and I'm sorry. But I want to make sure it's taken care of. I don't want it to break. 
I don't want to mess it up. Mike Savage loaned me that uh, sheetrock texture blower gun. Boy, you want to see somebody get OCD about it quick. That was me. My dad was there helping me. I'm like, you better not tear that up because I ain't buying him a new one. But I will if it breaks, but don't go and break it. It Why? Because it's not mine. I want to take good care of something that's not mine that has been entrusted to me. God has entrusted this facility at 3801 Coventry Drive to us. How we care for it becomes a reflection of our heart and our attitude toward Him and His kingdom. When we don't care for it well, we're not stewarding what He's entrusted to us well. When you view this facility as God's, it changes how you address it. Doesn't it? Maybe you don't treat your own personal property very well. But if somebody loans something to you, you want to take real good care of it. In the same way, boy, that was a tasty rabbit trail. In the same way, you need to support your pastors, your ministry staff, and your leadership in the same way. Can I just tell you something? We serve at his discretion, not at yours. How you treat the leadership of a local church is something you're going to have to answer for. So you treat your leadership well. You provide their needs as they have it. Churches that can pay their staff more and don't, I believe are in sin. But when a church gives everything it can, and they say, we want you to come love us, and we're going to love you, and we want you to lead us, and we're going to follow, I think God will honor that. But you need to support them financially. You need to support them in word and in deed. You need to walk with them. If they have a need, meet it. It's expected that you live a faithful, devoted life. You support the church both publicly and privately. You financially support the church. You support the leaders uh, here. And then here's the other reality. You need to faithfully and consistently be involved in the process, in the discipleship process. And that's going to look different from person to person. But at minimum, here's what it means. We meet twice a week, Wednesday and Sunday. On Sunday, we have a Sunday school gathering and we have this gathering. If at all possible, you need to be in this gathering. Period. It is expected. And and let, let me tell you, I practiced this when I was a staff member. I expect our staff to do it. I expect our lay leaders to do it. They are to be in service. Period. Because there's nothing more important if you're on this campus than what's happening right here. Now, are there people who are in, in children's church and the nursery? Yes, those things need to be done. But when you can, you need to be in here. You need to be faithfully involved in the process here. That may mean that you're here on a Wednesday night. Maybe that's the only time you can get here, but be here. Be actively involved. Maybe you can only come for an hour on Sunday morning. What hour can you come for? Make the decision and be there for it whether that's Sunday school or worship service, but you need to be consistently involved in the process. Some of you uh, are are involved in mercy uh, uh, occupations in which you are serving people. I think of my wife. She's a physical therapist, okay? And let me tell you, well, what's it like having a physical therapist in the house? It can be miserable because when she needs a test dummy, I'm it, and it's painful. Granted, I feel better, 
after, but boy, is it painful in the process. But there are times that she's at the hospital and she's serving patients there and she's meeting some very physical needs. And it's on a Sunday that she's out. And there may be instances in which that's you. I know we have law enforcement people in this church. They can't always be here on a Sunday because they're serving the general public. And that's necessary and that's needed. But you need to be actively involved in as much as you can. The Bible assumes church membership. Jesus understood church membership in the context of church discipline. If our Lord understood it to be a thing, if God the Holy Spirit understood it to be a thing, and by the way, because the Trinity is always in agreement, because God the Father understands it to be a thing, we must understand it to be a reality. And when we understand that it's a reality and we live in light of it, and we practice this and we walk with one another, in community and in fellowship as we follow Jesus and we grow together and we become a united church that's desiring to serve Jesus in all that we do, boy, we'll accurately reflect Him as best as we can. We will mirror His love, grace, and mercy to the people who so desperately need it. And the reality is, if you're an unbeliever, um, you need to know Jesus. Because otherwise you have just sat through me talking about church membership and it has nothing to do with you. You can't be a member of God's church if you've never surrendered to His Lordship in the first place. That's right. The Bible says that because of your sin you were separated from Him, destined for an eternity in hell. Hell is not a place you want to go. It's a place full of weeping and gnashing of teeth. I have no intention of going. And that's all I need to know about it. I don't have any intention of going because Jesus has saved my soul. He's made me a new creation. The Bible says He can do that for you. That He can make you into a new creation. He can make you uh, one of His and you will become one of His. Uh, I'm sorry, He will make you one of His and He will become yours. He will become your Lord and your Savior. That you just need to confess Him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you'll be saved. That's where you start if you're in here and you're an unbeliever. You start by surrendering your heart to Jesus. If you're in here and you're a believer, but you're not an active member uh, of a local church, uh, rubber meets the road. It's time. Wherever that is, today is the day. Whether that's here or somewhere else, you need to do as God the Holy Spirit leads you. And can I just ask you that if you say, well, I just don't know yet. Why don't you know yet? What's keeping you? What do you need to address in your life to answer God's call? I am, I am convictional in the belief that God desires all of His children to be involved in the life of a local church. The very first church I served at, I started on a Wednesday. I walked in that Wednesday morning. I had a check in one hand, and I was looking for a membership card for the other. I said, you get me, so you get my tithe, and you get my membership. Now, how do we get my membership here? It's understood. So, believer who's not a member of the local church, what do you need to do? What steps do you need to take? Where is God calling you to plug in uh, to the life of a local church yet? Whether it's here or somewhere else, but you do as God the Holy Spirit leads. And hey, church member of Four Mile Creek, we've talked about expectations, we've talked about requirements. Where do you fall short? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus and you filled out that membership card but you've never been baptized? What's keeping you from getting baptized? 
If you're a member here and you've been baptized and, 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 and you're saved, but you're not fully supporting the ongoing work of God through this church, whether it be in word and deed or with your checkbook, why aren't you? It, it's time you start supporting fully and faithfully. Put your money where your mouth is. Amen. Try to tell Sam's Club you want to stay a member without paying your year, yearly membership due. And tell me how that goes. What steps, church member, do you need to take to address the gaps in your life? To become a church member that truly honors God and all that he or she does. As our praise team comes, I want you to stand. I want you to pray with me. And I want you to consider what it is that God the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. We've, we've looked at what church membership is. We've looked at the reality that, uh, that God the Holy Spirit uh, definitely teaches that as he writes through the human authors that it is a reality. So what would God have you to do? You do as God the Holy Spirit leads you this morning. So Father, we love you and we thank you and pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Because we want to be obedient and we know that you have called us uh, to a life of obedience and a life of holiness. And Lord, that means that we also need to be a part of uh, your local church, wherever that is, wherever you call us to, Lord. And Lord, I, I know, I know, boy, do I know, the great weight that is often felt when it comes to choosing a church home. I get that, I know that, I understand that. And Lord, I recognize there may be some in this place today that are wrestling with the same thing. So God, I pray you would give them clarity and peace of mind, that you would give them the grace that they need to do whatever it is you are calling them to do in this moment, Lord. And if there's one in here who has listened to this and they say, well, I want to be a part of a faith family, but Lord, I just need to start with obedience to you and I need to bow the heart, I need to bow the knee, bow the heart. Lord, I pray they would do that. Father, they would follow you with wholehearted enthusiasm day in and day out. Lord, I thank you that when you wrote to your church, Lord, you were specific into where you wrote. But Lord, we also know that you get more specific than that. You know us each by name. And we thank you for that. And so I pray during this time of response, God, that we would do whatever it is you would have us to do. We would be obedient to you as you lead us. So, Father, we commit this time to you. We love you and we thank you and pray all these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.